Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Blackhawk Talk, episode number 30, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vincent Parisi, and I'm here with Joseph Parisi and Joey. You like Batman? Yeah, he's all right. Overrated a little bit. Why is that? As everyone loves Batman. Like he's you think of superheroes and Batman comes up, but honestly, like Batman's very meh, very meh superhero. That trailer did nothing for you for the new Batman movie? Mm-hmm. Not really. I mean, DC movies in general, just I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be a, a hard hill to climb in terms of like superhero movies for me. I mean, the Dark Knight movies are some of the best movies of all time. Yeah, exactly. And that was that was before, like you're not into those. That was like before the MCU. Yeah, no, it was. But it, like. Yeah, I guess you're right. Though I'll agree. I would. I love watching those movies, but like I don't know. It's just the way the superhero movies are to me today. Just these DC movies don't do it for me. Maybe it'll. Maybe it'll change. Yeah, I don't love the DC movies either. Like Suicide Squad was good. It was not great, but it was fine. I enjoyed like John Cena, funny. Huh? Um, the Batman movies get me though. That's the one DC character. Like the the good villains. The Joker's awesome. Uh, I'm excited for the Riddler. They're saying it's going to be a jigsaw kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I'm excited about it. Yeah, we'll see how it is. Um, Speaking of riddles. And jigsaw. And jigsaw. (laughs) We have a very special announcement here on Bar Down Blackhawk Talk. Before we get into the, you know, the ins and outs of the first week of the season, which really quick before we do this, freaking awesome that hockey's back, eh? I know it sucks. Like I've had to watch, you know, some of my other favorite teams play four games now, and I kind of forgot the Bruins were even in the NHL. They don't play. Same with the Devils. They've played two games. Like yeah, so, the Bruins have only played one. They're like near the bottom of the league, but they have a thousand winning percentage. They're the only team really that's funny. only played one game. Yeah, and I want to say the Bruins and Devils are the only teams that haven't trailed. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. There are a couple teams, but. It's it's been good so far, but we are now 30 episodes into this show. And one of the things I admire about working at the Barroom Network is that everybody's always trying to improve and get better and do what they can to improve quality and conversation and bring new opinions to the light. And last week on our show, we had Frank Mueller on. And Frank Mueller is an outstanding voice. He knows his shit about hockey. He is a diehard Chicago Blackhawks fan. 
And I think he brings such a good, you know, uh, ideas and conversation to the table. I almost lost all my words there. Cause I just love the kids so much. Yeah. Um, what do you say we like make a change here? Yeah, I'm all for it. Like, I think what you're trying to say is he brings an energy and a flow of conversation. Having a third person, it, it goes, it flows a lot, you know, easier. Uh, it's kind of hard just sitting there staring at your ugly face the whole time. <laughs> so a lot of people think me and you look alike. So if I'm ugly, you're ugly, bitch. I know. It's, it's that's kind of what makes it funny. Grow it is kind of what. It is kind of what makes. Well, I shaved, but yeah. it's already coming back. I shaved like yesterday. Throw it out every once in a while. Throw a yeah. Bruins head on. We'll see what happens. I'll wear a Bruins hat. I have Bruins gear. Um, did you say flow of the show? Because Frankie has some like really nice hair. He's got the nice. He, flow. he does got the nice. And flow. he brings an energy. He likes energy drinks. So why don't we just welcome him on finally for the first time ever as a full member of this show, Frank Mueller? Welcome to the podcast on a full time basis. The King Bead. How's it going? It's it's going. You tell us. Yeah, you tell us, man. Act a little excited to be yeah. here, why don't you? It's great. I'm excited to get uh to get down to the talks. Yeah, I see. Uh, we got to talk about hats. We, me and Vinny, we wear like a different hat every time. I've doubled up on this Bauer hat a, a bunch because it's my go-to, like you know, quick throw on a hat. Uh, that hat right there. Let's talk about that hat. Original six. It's my favorite hat that you wear because I just call it your Bruins hat. It's yeah, it's one of a kind. I've tried looking for it online and I haven't been able to find it. I'm sure if you go on like eBay, you could find somebody selling one, but it's an original six. Um, I got it at this shop in Door County and it's one of my favorites because it's got my favorite team on there, obviously. Yeah, turn to the right a little bit. Turn to the right or your left. I'm sorry. Yeah, oh, there it is. Yep, right above <laughs> that 47. And I mean, just the color scheme you see the brim of the hat's green, it's a very unique color scheme. I just I really like the hat and the design of the font. It's, yeah, well, it's the old school NHL logo with the old school colors, which is what I like about it. Normally, mm -hmm. if you find an original six hat now, it will have the new NHL logo with the silver, which is still a cool logo, but that just screams like original six to me. Yeah, it's you know, it's you know old school too. With when, when the cap has a green underbill, that just that's like an old school thing on hat on hats. Yep. Yeah, you don't see too many of these anymore. Stuff absolutely. Like so Frank. Before we get going, let me and Joey on our very first show, we told the people you can go back and listen on YouTube or wherever. The point of our very first show was to tell people why we love hockey and what made us get into it and where that came from. I, I kind of wanted I didn't write this down for you to like know this was coming because I wanted your natural, authentic reaction to it. Why do you like hockey? What makes it so thrilling and just a gorgeous sport to you? Um, I like it because of how fast paced it is and there's a different energy in hockey than any other sport. Um, just from you knowing Vin, I didn't really, wasn't a fan of basketball in the day, but I've grown to like it a little bit more over the years because it wasn't as fast paced. But then I, I learned like, it's not all about the pace, but the energy the game brings too. And seeing these players that you look up to and how much I look up to Taves and seeing him do good on the ice, I just love seeing their reactions when they score goals. It's just – it's a great experience. And when you grow attached to a team, you want to see them succeed. And I just I just love that feeling of watching it. That's a great answer. That's a great – Is it by far your favorite sport? I know we yeah, all know. hands down. Yeah. It's not even close. Yeah, hockey's my favorite sport. Everybody knows I have a deep, deep love for baseball and football as well. But I, I think if I had to pick just one, I would go hockey. 
and the Devils are my favorite team and the Bruins are Joey's favorite team. And that's another reason for those listening at home why we wanted to bring Frankie on is because if we have a diehard Blackhawks fan on this show, I think it will help increase the conversation about the team because me and Joey both love the Hawks as well. It was our first game ever. They We both credit the Hawks for being the reason we like hockey at the start of our you know time. And you know we think this is a great trio going forward on this podcast. Yeah. What did I tell you, Frank? Didn't I just tell you the other, like over the past weekend, like you let your team pick you. You don't pick you your, let team. your team pick you. And oh. I feel like I could, I connect with some of the players more than other sports too, which is another reason why I like it so much because their stories and stuff on and off the ice are just more relatable to me at least. Yeah. What were we talking about when I said the, the team picks you? What team was that? The Kraken. No, it was the no, Oh, it was the Packers. It was the Green Bay. Oh yeah, because you called me a cheesehead. <laughs> you said I would be the perfect Packers fan. Yeah. And I said no, if I was, I'd be the, the cheesehead, and I'd go all out. But no, if Frankie would be the perfect White Sox fan. He likes being a little, a little. No, he's a little cub guy. Beaten. He's a cub guy. No, I don't know about that. He doesn't fit the cub mold, but he's a cub fan. He's Maybe we'll cub. have him as a guest on Crosstown Crosstalk one of these days and talk about MLB the Show or something, but. I'm really excited to talk about hockey and, you know, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited. And as Joey looks like he's just ready to pull that trigger finger so fast, let's send it over <laughs> to period number one. Welcome. To period timing. Two. Timing is immaculate. One. Joey talking over me yet again, as he does. Um, Guys, the Chicago Blackhawks stink. They are 0-3-1, and, and they did not look good. They Okay, so how many periods is that? Not a math guy. Is that 12 periods? Yep. 10 of those periods. They 11 if like you count – or 13 if you count the overtime. No, nah, screw that. Quick overtime. Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes <laughs> ended that shit way too soon to even think about counting it. 0-3-1. 10 of those 12 periods, they looked like complete dog shit. There was not a single period in any of the first three games, and then two of the – first three periods in the third game were fine but they didn't score so how great were they in the end anyway um is it time to fire jeremy colleton joseph i'll start with you i mean i personally would because you don't want to dig yourself too deep of a hole and we've all seen in the past a coaching change can make a huge difference in a team's production it can whether the coach is good whether the coach is bad i've we've seen great Hall of Fame coaches just get fired and the team all of a sudden start doing good. Does that mean those coaches are just bad? No, but something needs to happen. And I think firing Jeremy Colleton would be the correct move. Yeah. I saw uh, Scott's first uh, comment earlier about comparing him to Matt Nagy. And if he can not go forward just because he doesn't seem to adjust to his team, I do think Carlton has a chance to be a good coach in the NHL one day, just not with this team and not now. You know, he reminds me of, you know, Paul Maurice, the coach of the Winnipeg Jets. Mm-hmm. Great Very coach. similar situation. When he first broke into the league, he was the youngest coach in the league and things just didn't go well. A bad roster for his coaching style. And now he's one of the best coaches in the league. The Winnipeg Jets are awesome. They're well coached by him. Frank, your thoughts on the whole Colleton situation? You heard him get booed really loud. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. He got Food. It's Real. kind of embarrassing. I feel bad for him in that respect, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah um, I think he needs to be gone sooner rather than later. Um, I never thought for a second he had the hearts of the fan base at all. 
Um, I mean, you look at all the talent there is on the Hawks and nothing's come out of it, right? I mean, the fact that they haven't even led in any game this season and they've been outscored by a differential of seven just for the first period alone tells me that something needs to change. And I strongly believe that it's not the player's fault, but it's something behind the bench. So I think that Colleton needs to go sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, I think he has a chance to be a good coach in the NHL. He was very good with the Rockford Ice Hogs. They went all the way to the Calder Cup final, I believe, and then they lost. Um, he knows what he's doing. He knows the X's and O's of hockey, but the roster that Stan Bowman has built, for better or worse, does not fit his style. They play man. The Hawks clearly play man, and when you don't have a New York Islanders-type roster, playing man just doesn't work. Like, you see on this goal being shown on the screen right now, they have two players behind the net, and Gustafson, supposed to be playing man, goes behind the net, and that leaves Anthony Beauvillier, his man, right in front alone, and he just buries the wraparound with relative ease. And if I was going to bring up Gustafson, I think he's the worst defenseman probably defensively in the league. He has offensive play. He could run a power play. That's fine. He's not worth it on your team because plays like this are allowed to happen because he just goes – he just goes away. Like you wonder what he's doing and pretty much every single goal that the Islanders scored yesterday was a result of something he did. The Jack Hughes goal against the devils. He slid like 10 seconds too early. I'm not a fan of Gustafson. I'm not a fan of the man system. And I think they both Carlton and Gustafson need to go, but it's not Gustafson's fault that they're playing a system that doesn't match his skill set. So overall thoughts on Gustafson, the player as a whole Frank. Uh, Defensively, he's terrible. I'm not a fan of Gustafson. However, he has shown that he could put the puck in the net, but he becomes too aggressive on defense. I don't think he's fit for the defensive position. Um, back in the 2018-2019 season, in uh, the 79 games he played, he had 17 goals and 43 assists. That's 60 points for a defenseman. Um, that don't grow on trees. No, that don't for a defenseman. 60 points. That's for a forward. It don't grow on trees. Right. So why not give him an opportunity at a wing position, right? It doesn't hurt. It's not going to hurt any worse than he's already been doing. I think experiment with him a little bit, right? I, that, would, that would be sick. See a defenseman transition to a forward. Why not? He's mean? got the skill on offense. I mean, defensively, he's not there. So it's just irritating to always see him. I don't even know why they got him back in the first place. But if you're going to – I think he's not suitable for the defenseman position. So – I think if I was the coach, I would experiment at, like, a winger. I don't see him being a center. But, yeah, I'd, I'd experiment with him on the wing. Put him on the fourth line, see what happens. Or they should have done it during preseason and see what happens. Yeah, so um, I'm looking to see right now. You you said it was the 2018-19 season? Yeah. So he had 60 points and he was minus six. So to And plus minus isn't really all that great in terms of – um deciding whether or not a player is good or not, but 14 of those 43 assists were on the power play and four of his goals were on the power play that year. So he definitely gets a little bit of a boost from being pretty good at quarterbacking a PP, but he's not going to do it over someone like Seth Jones. Right. So yeah, having him play on the team is just weird to me. If you are going to have him play and you give him 10 minutes and eight of them are power play minutes, that's fine. But if you're playing man system like Jeremy Colleton does, you saw in the first goal, to me, the Bavillier goal, the very first goal of the game for the Islanders, was the perfect example of why Eric Gustafson playing for your team in this system just makes no sense. 
and the fact that he went behind the net. And now there's three Hawk players below, down low, and there's just plenty of room in front of Marc-Andre Fleury, who's coming from Vegas and Pittsburgh. He's probably like, what the hell am I doing here? But at what point do you boys believe that a coaching change would be too late? Joseph. Uh, You don't want to get yourself in too deep of a hole if they don't, you know, put together a string of wins here soon it could it could be too late you know in rather quick time they need to get to 500 if they want a chance to make the playoffs and right now they're starting off zero and four so it, it has it has to happen quick i would say before thanksgiving if you don't have something done by thanksgiving and you're not in the playoff spot american thanksgiving that is to all our canadian listeners <laughs> um then yeah, you don't want it to get to that point. Another thing I wanted to say about uh, Gustafson and him being offensive, when you have a guy like that who's an offensive defenseman who you know is obviously we've seen in the past been able to put up some pretty good numbers, you need to be partnered up with a, a stay-at-home defenseman who can bail you out of situations when you decide to take the puck up and make risks and pinch down. Playing with a guy like Riley Stillman, I don't think that's going to cut it. I... I've said a lot of times on this show, I don't like Riley Stillman. And if, and if that's who he's playing with, which I think it's what it kind of has been, we saw Riley Stillman doesn't know how to skate backwards. He, his transition <laughs> caught an edge or something and cost that, that goal that Wallstrom scored. Uh, it was just a mess of a game from those two guys all around, in my opinion. Greg? Um, Joe, you nailed it with the time frame. I give it about a month. You look at all the acquisitions they got. You got you signed Flurry. You signed Jones, you signed McCabe, you signed Johnson, Doc is healthy, you get Taves back, and you're 0-3-1. I mean, that right there screams that something's got to change. Now, I understand they've only played four games. It's still early, but you don't want to get in a hole. Because once you get in a hole, it's hard to get out of that hole. So I'd say give it about three to four weeks. Realistically, I'd probably give it two, but I don't think – the Hawks are going to get rid of Colleton in two weeks as much as I'd like to see a change. But, yeah, you don't want to let it get too out of hand. Yeah, They fired Joel on November 4th. It was either November 4th or November 3rd, I want to say, because I just remember it being very early November in 2018, and they were 500. Mm-hmm. They were 500. The games they lost, they looked like dump, but in the games they won at least like – Joel Quinville style clearly is uh, he's a hall of fame coach. In my opinion, he's the greatest coach who ever lived. I know Scotty Bowman. Yeah. Awesome. Great. I think it's Joel, the modern era, three cups, getting this roster to do what it did. Um, I just can't believe it. Now you look at what he's doing with the Florida Panthers, who are, we are for sure going to talk about later in the show. Sup Joe. Um, I, I just can't believe that they would let Colleton if they're all, or if they're two, six, and three a couple weeks from now, he's got to be gone. Like, this can't continue. Yeah. You made those moves. You're winning now. You canceled the rebuild early because they put out that letter. We're going to start moving on. We're going to start doing this and that. You might see some of your favorite players. They kind of followed the New York Rangers procedure of, like, putting out a letter, except the Rangers traded McDonough. They traded or they let Lundquist retire and or move on to Washington. They got rid of JT Miller. Like, you know, Zaban uh, – no, they still have Zabanajad. They had um, Zuccarello, who I was originally thinking of. Like, they let him go to the wild. Or they traded him to the stars, you might even remember, for a hot minute there. Like, the Hawks didn't do that. 
They kept Taves and Kane making eight, uh, ten million each. They kept Duncan Keith until this last offseason. You know, they, they didn't make those moves that tell you that you're rebuilding. Instead, they went out and traded for Seth Jones. And not only did they trade for him, they gave him an eight-year extension worth $9 million. And so far, not so good with that. But you trade for Tyler Johnson. You move Brent Seabrook's contract, and you get a win-now player instead of a prospect, which is normally what comes out of stuff like that. So I can't believe that they would let this go on the way it has after the summer that they had, which is just clearly – clearly saying that they're trying to win yeah they're definitely trying to win you don't you don't do everything you did this offseason and, and not try to win and so this coaching change needs to hap- happen sooner than later because i'm looking at the standings here and based off of what i've seen through the first week of the season the wild came ready to play the blues look ready to play we all know Colorado's going to figure it out they haven't really started off like you know as good as we thought they would tough then- about mcginnon sometimes Exactly. And got them back yesterday. And then Winnipeg is going to put wins together. Those games are going to matter. You may, a lot of people are going to say, like, oh, it's the beginning of the season. Like, we got a whole season ahead of us. Well, you know, four or five months from now, when when we're making a push for the playoffs, you're going to look at the standings and, okay, the Hawks are four points behind. Well, you could have got those four points at the beginning of the season. So you can't let that gap get too big, even though it's the first week of the season. I would fire him right now. So would I. I wouldn't wait. There are plenty of people you can bring in to try and turn this thing around on an interim basis. You remember the Blues? I'm not saying they're going to win the cup. They're not. They're not deep enough. Um, I also, I also don't trust like the depth at forward. Um, obviously, they have good top six players. Debrink gets awesome. Kubalik is really good. Patrick Kane, who's off to a slow start by his standards, we'll get to that in a minute. But what are your thoughts on the? Two biggest additions so far. We'll start with Mark Andre Fleury and Frank. You first. Before you go, though, I have stats. Fleury is 3 and zero with a five point six three goals against average and an eight forty save percentage. That is wildly different than his Vesna numbers from last season with the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, so I just I don't want people completely shitting on Fleury because I don't believe it's his fault. I still think he's a phenomenal goalie. I think the defense in front of him is what's causing these goals. I mean, you can maybe have blamed him for one goal, but the other three yesterday, I don't think they were his fault. Um, I do think Flurry could still put up those numbers, but something's got to change defensively because it, it's definitely not his fault that he's letting up all these goals. I think like if he was still on Vegas, he would. Vegas has a defense. They have a coach. I think it'd be completely different, and the only reason why – He's producing these stats is because of the Blackhawk system and the way they're playing around him. All you have to do is look at these past or yesterday's game to me, and it kind of sums up exactly what what Flurry is, you know, in the position he's in. And it's because he's getting left out to dry on big, important goals of the game. I couldn't agree with both of you more. I think Mark Andre Flurry is probably like, "What am I doing? Why mm-hmm. am I here? Why didn't I retire? Why did <laughs> Vegas have to trade me?" Um, it was fun playing there with players that play actual defense and forwards who back check and not having Eric Gustafson allow um, Anthony Bavillier to walk right in front and bury one in front of me untouched. Um, I, I'm not even slightly looking at his stats. This is a Hall of Famer who is still elite. He could play till he's 40 if he wanted to. If he retires, it's because he wants to, not because he needs to. And, yeah, I, he gets a complete pass from me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the best goalies I've ever seen. He's I mean, since we've been watching hockey, who's been better than Flurry? Broder, 
Longquist, Price, and Rask. I mean, maybe like you know Luongo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would take Flurry over Luongo. Maybe even some of the other guys I named. So, I mean, this is an outstanding player. I really hope the Hawks are able to make a change and maybe play zone instead of man and stop letting Flurry hang out to dry like he has been. Because Lincoln and he was good, but he wasn't. You know, he was as good as Flurry. Yeah, one of the um, – I guess we'll just kind of use this to transition. I think it, it falls heavily on the guys who are playing in front of him, particularly on the defense. And you look to a guy like Seth Jones, he he needs to be better. Contract's already looking tough. It's He's still on the other one. That's the only, like – that's the way you got to look at it. But that's also bad because the new contract hasn't even kicked in yet, and he's already played like dog shit. So – Seth Jones, no goals, two assists, two points. That's fine. Not worried about points. Seth Jones. Points will come for Seth Jones. Points aren't everything, guys. We talked about that with Gustafson. Frank, you made a point. He had a really good year offensively in 2018-19, and he still stunk. If you stink when you have 60 points, get out of my face. Points are great. They're nice. Power play, awesome. He has a 48.2% Corsi 4 percentage. That means when the Hawks have Seth Jones on the ice, the other team plays better than the Hawks do. That's not good. You want it to be above 50. If you're not above 50, something's wrong. And he's 2% below 50. And he's minus four, which, again, I don't care about plus minus. Empty nets, bad plays by other guys cause your minus to go good and bad. Um, but, I mean, Jones, I haven't seen old Columbus Jones in the first four games. And, of course, it's the first four games. Carlton system stinks. So we'll see if he could turn it around. But overall impressions from him, Joe, you kind of alluded to it first, so I'll let you go first, and then you could pass it along to Frankie. Yeah, you look at this roster. He's got to be the best defenseman on this team, hands down, not even close. And he's He has to be the best defenseman they've had since Keith and Seabrook were in their prime. Yeah. In order for this team to succeed, you look at this roster, you look at this group of six that they're putting on the ice, and if this team needs to succeed, he needs to be the best one. He might even need to be the best one on the ice for either side. That's how important his success is going to be to the Chicago Blackhawks' success. Yeah. Right. Um, the thing with Seth Jones is I'm not looking for him to get 60 points, right? I'm just looking him to play well defensively to keep the puck out of the net. And kind of what Joey touched on a bit is the young guys, the young defensemen on the team are going to look up to Seth Jones. Now that Keith and Seabrook are down, they're going to look up to him. He's their number one. The contract says it all. So you just – you really just got to play better defensively here. And I know they have only played four games, right? But you got to pick it up within the next week or so, right? At least small changes. I'm not saying he's going to be perfect. No defenseman's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. But clean it up a bit. Don't worry about scoring 20 goals, whatever you got to do. Just focus on defense. And like you said, Vin, the points will come. Yeah, I mean, he's Seth freaking Jones. Of course, points are going to come. Um, I, I The reason that I get annoyed, like, okay, he can have 60 points. He could probably have 70 points if he only put his focus on offense. He's that skilled. He was supposed to be the number two overall pick in the 2013 draft, and he fell to four because the Panthers smartly took Barkov, and I can't – oh, I think uh, the Lightning took Drewen second. But, I, I mean, Jones, 
he was one of the three players named to Team USA. And the other two were Patrick Kane and Austin Matthews, who are probably the two greatest active American players right now. And when I saw Jones make it, I'm like, if they're going to take a defenseman, how the heck is it not McAvoy? And to me, Seth Jones basically needs to be McAvoy. McAvoy's not going to have 70 points. He could if he wanted to. But when I think of McAvoy, I think of like a younger Drew Doughty, like that type of defenseman where like he might not be Eric Carlson offensively, but he's outstanding offensively and he's dominant defensively. He imposes his will. And that's the exact kind of player we need to see Seth Jones be. He needs to be an older version of McAvoy. And so far he hasn't been and the Hawks are paying for it. Yeah, it's rough to watch, especially with that contract. Um, yeah, nine I, more years. Oh, uh, I mean, where, where are you going to be in nine years? Hopefully, in a better position than Seth Jones is in, right? Well, <laughs> nine mil a year, even <laughs> if you think it's still nine mil a year. Yeah, I, but not for the fan base that's suffering. Fair enough. I, I'm just hoping we we can look past this four games and and he'll actually step it up because you don't want to see that. that 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 could ruin a franchise if if that nine mil becomes a, a serious issue. Like, yeah, we're joking about it now after four games, but if it actually, I'm not does joking. Be, if it actually does become a serious issue, like that that could be very very bad for this franchise. Yeah, I want it on record. I am not joking. No, I but, am very much worried about this Seth Jones contract. Yeah, but it's also not super – I'll play a little devil's advocate. It's not super uncommon for a guy to go to a new team and it take a little bit to get adapted to the system. Sure. But when you look at the other guys who are signing the contract that he just signed, McAvoy. Most of them are, most of them are still Hamilton, in the same city. Dougie Hamilton, new team, been they dominant played, so far. They've played two games, yeah. He's, been, he's looked a lot better than Jones. Well, yeah, I'll agree with that. And when you like, look a at – A lot better. And when you look at the – the contract that Jones has and you pair that with the contract that Kane has and the contract that Taves has, you can't afford the Seth Jones contract to be a bust. There's too much riding on the line here. They're not getting any younger, right? That's what I'm saying. It could ruin a franchise. They they only have two years left, which I guess is the saving grace in terms of the salary cap. But guess what happens if those two guys dip out of here in two years, then the team's really going to suck ass. Mm -hmm. So like you have two years guys. And then beyond that, like that's why the Seth Jones contract was like I liked it because the Hawks got a good defenseman in the fold in the short term. But in the long term, it's like four years from now, if Taves and Kane are gone and you have Seth Jones making nine and a half and the best forward on the team is Debrinkit. I mean, guys, you almost would hope that this year they suck and they get Shane right. And we could get to that in a minute. I want to talk about Patrick Kane's slow start. And people might hear me talk Patrick Kane's slow start, and they might roll their eyes at me off the hook. Patrick Kane has one goal, three assists for four points in four games. He is a point-per-game player so far. Points aren't everything. He's Patrick Kane. Three assists are going to come as easy as anything because he's that skilled. You know, he made a keep-in against the Devils, and it led to a goal. And his, his pass to Debrinkit. His pass was oh, to Debrinkit through, that, through all those Devils. That was, that was... It was... Chef's kiss. Yep. We did that at the exact same time. It was one of the best passes I've ever seen. It was through traffic, like everything you want on that goal. And Debrinka, he's not missing from that. Area. But it's also on the power play. You expect Patrick Kane to do that on the power play. 48% Corsi 4. The other team dominates when Patrick Kane is on the ice. That is not good. That's not what you want to see. Because Patrick Kane, everybody thinks he's like this offensive guru who sucks at defense. That is not true. In Patrick Kane's career, 
the Hawks have dominated possession when he's on the ice. That has not been the case so far this year. Only four games. We have 50 other shows in the future to discuss what's going to go on in this season. But so far, not so good for 88. I, I need more from him. I'm sorry. It's hard to say you need more from a guy like that. But if this team's going to succeed, you need the stars to be the stars. Because Ryan Carpenter's not going to do anything for you offensively. Kubalik and Debrinkit are goal scorers. They're great. They can make a play every now and then. Taves has looked slow, but you know he gets kind of a mulligan until things really start picking up. But I, I, they had chances against the New York Islanders early, and then it all went to crap. They need these guys to start finishing, and Kane leads the pack. Okay, the only th- issue I have with like the the advanced statistics this early in the season is because if the team has been pretty much dog shit in all four games then isn't everyone's advanced statistics going to be pretty poor? Yes, but I expect so, that from some guys, not Patrick Kane. Yeah, but Patrick. but I'm saying in, in the grand picture, you look at the Blackhawks as a whole. Like, they have been, as a whole, relatively bad. They have okay. some good periods. So, you so, can gonna, so I, I wouldn't really look at, you know, Kane's Corsi and, and think anything of it because, yeah, no shit, it's going to be bad because the whole team's been bad. It also just might not improve under Colleton. That could be. That might but, just be the way. But let's look ahead here. You got Vancouver tomorrow, Detroit Sunday, and uh, Toronto next Wednesday. Let's say they win those three games. Now you're going to look at some of these guys' advanced statistics, and it's going to be a complete opposite of what we just looked at. It. Yeah, yeah, but that, but that's that, why they won, though. Is my point. Yes, I get that. I get that. But I don't know. Looking at a guy, a guy like Kane's Corsi, and see, and seeing that it's under five, that to me doesn't like. Like he's Patrick Kane. He he's been probably he's been their best player. I I don't think he looks like he's you know got rust or anything. I I think he's made some some pretty impressive plays. Yeah, I the think best the player team. to me so far has been Debrinket. Well, I Kirby think... Doc has even looked pretty good too. Oh, Kirby Doc. Time. Yeah, Kirby Doc is good, but he he's. I hope he's not turning into garbage man goal scorer or gar- garbage time producer. Two points in the last two games in the final like minute when they're down by three or more. But really quick, yes, you can't always just look at advanced stats, especially this early in the season when the whole team has looked like dog meat. But I don't like that the Hawks are getting dominated with Seth Jones and Patrick Kane on the ice. That's the part of the game that they're supposed to dominate themselves. And the, here, the Hawks, I've noticed in the first few games too, a lot of the younger guys are trying to feed the puck to Kane. They're trying to get too fancy. Like, I understand you want to get it to your best player. Like, people on Edmonton want to get it to McDavid. But if you have the open shot, take the open shot, you know. And there were so many times, I forgot if it was against Colorado or Pittsburgh, there were guys that had the open opportunity, and they try to force the pass. And I just hate that. I can't stand that. Like Eddie Ole says, if it's on, it's in, right? Put the puck to the net, anything can happen. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, we've saw we've talked, said a lot of negatives here. One positive that I want to point out is they, they are one point. of what they have a point. They have a point against your New Jersey Devils. Your Devils let this dog meat team get a point. Way to go! Um, oh no! <laughs> one positive in all seriousness I want to point out is they are one of five teams teams remaining. And yeah, some teams have only played one game. Wink, wink. Uh, some have played two. They're one of five teams with a 100% penalty kill. That's so good. They got to be better five on five and on their power play, and this can be an easy turnaround. That improves my advanced stats argument, though. They're getting dominated five on five. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Not good. 
they can't allow Patrick Kane to keep up with this 48%, Jones 48%. I haven't looked at Taves or Debrinka. I'm sure they're all around the same. It's not like god awful. Like you see like their new rookies. Like I remember Capo Caco was at like 39%, you know, halfway through his rookie. Like it's not that bad. Like it's close to 50, but it needs to get over 50. I don't want to see the Blackhawks get dominated when these guys are on the ice and that penalty kill has been so good. They haven't given up a power play goal and they're still getting dominated like this. Mm -hmm. Not good. I I also think yesterday was there was a lot to do with they, they got matched up against a a goalie who was feeling real good. (laughs) No doubt about it. Well, that's another thing I was going to bring up. We'll look ahead. The Hawks schedule. We'll go in more depth on those games you brought up in the third period, but the three three of the four teams they've played are elite. I know you're not high on Pittsburgh, but I don't know how you can't be at least high on them right now because without Crosby and Malkin, they're 3-0-0, I'm pretty sure, or 2-1-1, whatever they are. They're, they're good. They're clearly good. Colorado's Colorado, and the Islanders are the Islanders. We don't know about the Devils yet, but, I mean, the Hawks have played good teams mostly so far. And if the Devils are a good team, then they've played four good teams. Yeah, I've, I mean, I, we'll talk about it in a minute. But, yeah, I, I'm impressed with Pittsburgh uh, right off the bat. But there's a lot of teams I'm impressed with. We'll see if they're able to keep it up. Yeah. Uh, do you want to discuss the future teams? Let's do it. Let's head on over to period number two. Welcome to period two. I can't believe we're 37 minutes. I, I was just gonna I was just gonna say that that was the quickest 37 minutes. Like when I thought because like I'm like ready to switch to period two in my head, it popped in. And then I'm like, looked, but that yeah. seemed so fast. And then I looked at the time, I'm like, oh, we're like well past the time we normally go to period two. Yeah, we oh, welcome we, to period two after the fastest period one in the history of period ones. That happens in hockey too. You ever just watching a game and like, holy fuck, you look at the clock and there's two minutes left. Uh, what was it? Pittsburgh, the third period where there was not a stoppage of play until there were like nine minutes left in the third. Yeah, it was like twelve, they like eleven minutes. straight minutes or twelve yeah. straight minutes without. Sometimes a stoppage. the game's just going in the first Bruins game. But I think like, no, not an icing or an offsides or a, a frozen yeah, that's rare. netminder. It's mm-hmm. rare, dude. Yeah, when you miss a TV timeout, they miss two. Yeah. They missed two TV timeouts. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so let's talk about everybody's favorite topic so far in the NHL this season. And that is the red hot 3-0-0 Buffalo Sabres. Guys, I hope they win every game, win the President's Trophy. That roster stinks. And those guys are bought in. They're trying their ass off. And I love every second of it. I'm rooting for Buffalo to be that Cinderella team this year. Kyle Poso. He already matched his season goal scoring total from all of last year. We're a weekend. I mean, this guy, we loved him with the Islanders. He signed with the Sabres. And when you go to the Sabres, you automatically stink. Bartlett native Vinny Hinestroza playing on the first line. First line Vinny over there. Like, what is going on with Buffalo? I'll start with Mr. Atlantic Division himself. Joseph, are you scared of your Buffalo Sabres? Right. All right. We're going to, this is going to be a clip. We're going to end up clipping this. So yep. everyone, I'll, I'll put it all over. So everyone look good. Everyone Instagram, good. Twitter, Facebook. It's going on all of them. When this tape yeah. turns out to be bad, everyone, everyone uh, make sure you look good. Cause this is going to be a clip for next week's show. When I tell you right now that the three O and O Buffalo Sabres, I'm talking to you, future Joey from next week. 
will be three and three by the time we record our next show. That I so that means the Devils will get an extra win. I am not slightly impressed by the Buffalo Sabres beating the Montreal Canadiens who have stunk out the gate, the Arizona Coyotes who stink, the Vancouver Canucks who I was probably wrong about. They're gonna stink. I am not impressed one bit by these Buffalo Sabres. They got a rude awakening on Friday with the Bruins coming to town, followed by the Devils. And then who do they play after that? The Tampa Bay Lightning, who are finally starting to figure it out. Yeah, I'm almost rooting against my favorite team on Saturday now. No, because you know it's true. You know when they I mean, No, of course. Oh, look at that roster. Yeah. Of course they stink. Frank, give me some thoughts on Buffalo. Well, Buffalo, I think they're a bit overrated right now. Well, um, you take a look at your first few games, all of them being at home, right? So that has to be taken into consideration too. Um, you got Gergensen, Zemgis Gergensen, and Colin Miller leading the way. Colin I can't believe the word just came out of my mouth, right? <laughs> you and wipe like, your mouth on all former all-stars, Zemgis Gergensen. All of Latvia is behind that man. And now, like Joey elated to, you got the Bruins, the Devils, and the Lightning. I wouldn't be shocked one bit if they're three and three. They they're a bad three and O team, I think. So they're at the bottom of your three and O power ranking. Yeah, absolutely. Like out of all the three and O teams in the league, they got to be at the bottom. Will your eyebrows be raised if they win two of the next three, Frank? I am I absolutely. They be absolutely. I'd be shocked if they get. You're going to be surprised with this, but I'd be shocked if they get two points in the next three games. I could see them going like 0-2 and 1, maybe. If they, even if they go 0-1 and 2, I'd be surprised. They're not gonna I don't see them taking any of those teams to overtime. Me and Joey are so boned. We're having this conversation ahead of Bruins Devils for the Sabres. The Sabres are gonna walk into TD Garden and the Prudential Center and smack both of them. And me and Joey are just gonna sit here like we'll what see what happens that? when they play good teams this week and when they have to go on the road. They played mediocre teams at home. It, the home home stand ends for them. I mean, you guys them, know the they, Canadians were in the Stanley Cup final last year, right? <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Go watch last week's show, and you can tell yourself about how you think the Canadians are going to do this year. Um, the Sabres, Frank, you were right. They they started a huge home home stand. Any t- team who starts four games on the road or on home ice to start your season, that's a an advantage. I love like home ice and hockey is awesome. It's a huge advantage. Um, the the homestand concludes on Friday against the Bruins. They already announced Linus Allmark is starting that game, his return to Buffalo, which I think is a smart move. And then they make their first road game over to the Prudential Summit Center the next day. Um, and then over to Tampa Bay. So I don't know. I don't think or no, the Tampa Bay game's at home. I don't think one bit that the Buffalo Sabres are good. They're not a playoff team. They're not gonna get a point. They're not gonna lead at any point during the Bruins game. I know that for sure. Um yeah, they're dog meat. I'm not saying this, hockey gods. Please let the Devils play a good game against them. We They might be without Hughes. We'll get to that later. Uh, please, hockey gods, do not let Joey's words against the Sabres come back to smite us because this man is just so disrespectful. Are you a little happy for Skinner and Oposo for having like good starts? When you make a lot of money and things don't work out your way, you take a lot of heat for it. And I like both of those guys, Skinner and Oposo. And I, I hope if the Sabres are going to fall back down to earth, which they're going to, the roster's not good. 
Um, I hope those guys at least have good, respectable years. I'll tell you who I'm I'm happy for. I'm happy for Anders Bjork. He scored a goal in the first game. Colin Miller, like Frankie said, has been... The former Bruins, for those who don't know. Has been, you know, probably one of their best defensemen. And I wish those guys nothing but the best. And, yeah. Can you answer my question? You, 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 I was going to bring up Jeff Skinner when we were talking about the potential of uh, Seth Jones's contract being a nightmare, and you don't want it to turn into a Jeff Skinner situation. So I guess, yes, for the organization. like And for him. And, well, for him, he's making the money. He's robbing them blind either way. But he was a good player before that. He was an he okay player. 40. He yeah. scored 40 in his first year with Michael. If we just handed out $9 million to every guy who scored 40 goals. That's another thing, though. No Eichel. Yes, that that is a, that's those, a good argument. Those guys, those guys know that everybody in the league thinks they stink, and they know the Eichel situation, and nobody's given them a chance, and they got a chip on their shoulder. So I hope, at minimum, they're not the worst team in the league, record-wise, because I think they're the worst roster in the league. But just because you're the worst roster in the league doesn't mean you're the worst team in the league. I think Arizona has a chance to be the worst team in the league. Yeah, but that's possible. So, Frankie, Joey, not Buffalo Sabres, guys. They both think they're going 3-3-0. Three, three and oh. I think they're going to win one of those three games. I don't know which one. Oh, um, bad vibes toward the devil. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, I'm not ready to call the that's, devils a good team yet. That's going to be their one. I'm not, I'm not ready. Yeah, they've looked decent. Got to keep it going. It's been the Kraken and the Hawks. The Kraken stink. Oh. Andre Kopitar. Talk to me about Joey that. during our draft. I believe you texted me. I don't know if you said it in person or texted me. Kopitar has been outstanding. I know I skipped one. We'll go back to the one I skipped. Um, what did I text you? That during our fantasy draft, you thought Kopitar was going to have a big year. No, I don't. I didn't text you that. I said that we were standing in a circle. Frankie was there outside his house. I don't know if he was listening. That might be what it was. I Five said that goals, three assists, yeah. eight points, tied with McDavid and Drysaddle for the league lead through one week. Fifty-eight point eight percent Corsi four. When he's on the ice, the Kings dominate. Dowdy's been helping him. Dowdy's had a really good start. The Kings are. I don't want to call them back, but they. If the Kraken do actually stink. The Kings could be a playoff team. I believe that. Yeah, the Kings are – a lot of their success comes with Kopitar. There's been a lot of talk that the Pacific Division's weak. But if Kopitar stays hot and is, sticks to this pace, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, right? I mean, the fact that Kopitar has eight points and is tied for the league leading goals with uh, Bertuzzi, I mean, that's just – that's got to spell something out for you guys. I don't see this really continuing. I think Kopitar is going to have a great year. Don't get me wrong, but I'm a little worried that he's going to be too much relied on for this Kings offense. They have the one win and that's against this Vegas Golden Knights team where Kopitar ended up having the hat trick. I, did he get an assist in that game? He might've four point night. I don't know. He has five goals and three assists for eight points. Like I yeah. tied with McDavid and Drysidle for the league, league. I want I could look, I guess I want to see, I want to see a 90 point season under his belt. Yeah. That was a four point night. He had the hat trick and uh, he assisted on Dustin Brown's first goal, the first goal of the season for the Kings. So, you know, you look at someone's stats, obviously if you have a, an amazing game like that, looking at you, Tyler Bertuzzi, I, I'm not going to say kind of McDavid because a three point nights, nothing for him, 
But, you know, some of those guys who have, you know, inflated stats early on in the season, you have one hell of a game. You're going to be up amongst the league leaders. Now, I think Kopitar is going to have a great season. I don't think it's going to continue to this extent where he's, you know, over two points per game. Um, But I'm also worried that he's going to have such a good season that that's going to be all the Kings offense. And then the games that he doesn't do that, the Kings, they're going to suffer. So I I don't really think the Kings are necessarily going to be that good. They do have a one and two record, even with that production. So I don't know. I'm happy that he got off to the start he did, but. We'll see how it continues for the Kings. That that's totally fair. Um, kind of off note here. I don't have it written down or anything, but it made me think of it. The Ducks have looked really good. Like mm-hmm. they they're not bad. They're not a bad hockey team. Gibson's I know the, the, the Wild. The Wild had that game where they scored with seven seconds left and won the game in regulation. Kind of screwed the Ducks out of a point there. But those two California teams, along with the Kraken because I don't think the Sharks are that good. I know they blew out Montreal yesterday. But those two teams in the Kraken could fight for that third spot in the Pacific Division behind Vegas and Edmonton. Um, my Florida Panthers, boys. Yeah, my re- Florida Panthers are one of the best teams in the league. They have a chance to win the President's Trophy. They have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. They have the best coach in the league. They have a top five player as their number one center. Barkov has been outstanding. Huberto is one of the league's best offensive players. Aaron Ekblad is one of the best defensemen in the NHL. People think Aaron Ekblad went first overall. They probably think like kind of underwhelming first overall. Wrong. He is unbelievable. Mackenzie Weger, outstanding. So many good players. Um, They even have depth from guys like Jumbo. Jumbo's on that team. Like, guys, the Florida Panthers are really good. Frank, thoughts? Um, Barkov, wow. Absolutely amazing. Two goals, three assists That's right. to start the season. 3-0-0 on the season, the Panthers are. And a That's huge right. win, 4-1 last night at your defending Stanley Cup champions that they totally, totally dismantled in the third period. It was great to watch. Uh, I like the Florida Panthers. I have nothing against them. And they're going to be cup contenders, I believe. They're my second favorite team right now. Fuck the Bruins. Screw the Blackhawks. I'm all in on the Florida Panthers. Just kidding. I love both of you guys. The Panthers are my fourth favorite team right now behind the Bruins and Blackhawks. And, of course, the Devils are number one. Um, Definitely rooting for the Blackhawks and Bruins over them. But when they're not playing them, I want the Florida Panthers to win in the playoffs. I want them to win. I love this team. Joe, you. I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. Um. That's right. I got really impressed in that Pittsburgh game that they never, ever gave up their first game of the season. Uh, what did he say? Help me out, Vin, because I'm drawing a uh, – Holy salmon sandwiches. For the love of salmon sandwiches. For the sandwiches. love of salmon sandwiches. It, that made my day. I've, I've never heard something from an announcing team that wasn't like Jack and Brick that made me bust out laughing. To that extent, I love the Florida Panthers broadcast for the love of salmon sandwiches. I believe it was on a big save by the love of salmon sandwiches. I can't believe you thought the Florida Panthers were going to be bad. What the hell is wrong with you? I never said they were going to be bad. I have them in the playoffs. Sorry, I don't think they're going to be good as Tampa Bay. I stand by that. Give me give me more than a week into the season yesterday, Frank. Give me more than a week into the season. Now, we're talking positives here. We're not going to – this is positive vibes only. 
Okay. Um, they really impressed me. Sergei Bobrovsky really impressed me. I'm happy that they went back with Sergei Bobrovsky. You don't want to burn out Spencer Knight. I think mm-hmm. both goalies can be good. Sergei Bobrovsky played great against the Islanders in a 5-1 win. Then the next day, Frank, you mentioned it, Spencer Knight played great, making 30 saves on 31 shots against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who will they go with tomorrow? It's probably going to be Sergei Bobrovsky. Then maybe they announced it. I don't know. Um, they're playing the Colorado Avalanche in Florida, so that should help them. Uh, we'll see if Sergei is able to keep it going. I think this team is going to be real dangerous all the way down to the stretch, um, especially if they're able to, to beat the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow. Yep. I, I absolutely love the floor for oh, that's love of salmon sandwiches. I'm going to, every time we talk about the Florida Panthers, we're doing two things. We're listening to sweetness by Jimmy eat world because that's her goal song. And that's just an outstanding song. And we're talking about salmon sandwiches, maybe in the postseason or for a big Florida Panthers game later in the year, we'll make some salmon sandwiches and eat them while I'm watching the game. I think that would actually be really fun. It'd be great. My, one of my first thoughts on that was like, I don't know. Have I ever eaten salmon in a Between sandwich? Red? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. But I like, like to put it in little tortillas. Maybe it's a Florida thing. That, that could be possible. So Florida Panthers, keep it up, my boys. Rooting for you to dominate this season. If it's not, I hope it's either them or the Bruins out of the Atlantic. That's just what I'm hope for. We all have a favorite team in each division. For me, Florida and Boston are pretty pretty near and dear to my heart, especially after some of the debates me and Joey have had over the summer. But you got to give me credit on Barkov. I told you early in the summer, before last season even ended, if I could draft the entire National Hockey League from scratch and you're taking that guy to build your team around or you're building your team for the future, everyone you get, every player you get, stays on your team for the next eight years. So age gets taken into consideration, skill, all that stuff. I have Barkov as the fifth most valuable player in that. And I mean it. I stand by it. I believe if you would have said Bergeron in 2005, you would have got laughed at, but you would have ended up being right. And I believe that's the case here with Barkov. I, you can, you can say all you want, like how you're going to throw it in my face. I never once argued that, I'm Barkov. not throwing anything in your face. You bring it up. You you say that you every time you, you disagreed with that point over the summer. Just because there's a couple guys I'd rather take, and now I really can't even make that argument because that guy's not going to play until the playoffs when the Tampa Bay Lightning have a third line consisting of Jack Eichel, Phil Kessel. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I argued that you know you're leaving off Nikita Kucherov. That's the only thing I argued. I know how good Barkov. I'd is. rather have Barkov. Okay, and I a, and that's fine. He's that's, a two-way centerman that puts I, up almost as many points. And I think it's a respectable debate. It but is. I, no, it I, sure is. Kucherov's amazing. I'm not shitting on Kucherov. McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon. After those three, you can argue for ten straight days. And I got Barkov. Uh, I had someone else. Did I have Dreisaitl ahead of Barkov, which I'm not even sure about that anymore? Maybe. I, nothing. There's no bad order for you know these generational players that we yeah, have. Yeah, I think the top three is pretty chalk, don't you? Yes. Yeah, kind I'd of. probably put Pasternak somewhere in kind there. Too. I personally, I'll, I'll argue this thumb blue in the face. I'd rather Pasternak over Matthews. Um, That's great. I like that debate. Barkov is... He's special. And it, and it's not just him. You look at some of their wins. Uh, they're kind of doing it with everyone. Anthony Duclair's got a couple goals. Sam Bennett looked awesome. 
So good. Uh, so we all know about Jonathan Huberdeau. Yep. Um, Aaron Eckblad, I'm happy to see. You know, he's kind of in that Pittsburgh game. He's solely took control of that game, tying it up. Scored yep. two goals kind of late. Forrest uh, playing well. Yeah, exactly. Forrest Glad to see uh, Eckblad's also continuing where he left off. You know, we saw him go down, and we were very saddened by that because we love Aaron Eckblad. We like seeing the great players for their teams play and not be hurt, especially come playoff time. And he went down when he was, I think, tied for the league lead in defensive goals yep, last year. Yep. So I'm glad in the first game of the season he got right back to it. Me and you almost cried on this show when Ekblad went down. Yeah, we were sad. so sad about yeah, that. Yeah, because also like the, the way the divisions were last year, like we were rooting for the Panthers. I'm yeah. not going to be rooting for them as much this year because like they're going to be a huge thorn in my side in that Atlantic division. Yeah. But, no doubt about it. Frank, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the Edmonton Oilers are 3-0-0. Just as we all kind of thought, Edmonton's awesome and they're led by their two superstars. McDavid has four goals, four assists, and eight points. Dreisaitl has two goals and six assists for eight points. Dreisaitl got his first two yesterday. One was an empty netter, and it ended up being the game winner. I believe I'm playing you in fantasy, too. That kind of sucks for you. Um, But these two guys are just unbelievable. It's crazy because 10 years ago, the two best players were on the same team, Crosby and Malkin. Now you can argue that that same – thing has happened in Edmonton. There are people who will take Matthews, McKinnon, Barkov over Dreisaitl. No one's taken anyone over McDavid. But you really can't argue that Dreisaitl is at least one of the five best players in the league, and you got two of those guys on your team. I'd like to know your initial thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers. Um, they look fantastic, obviously. Uh, I'm going to give you guys a little math and history lesson here. Uh, Ooh. Ooh, get down and dirty with me so- with your numbers. Ooh. Because I know last week I made the comment that I think McDavid's going to have 47 goals and 66 assists. And Joey made the comment that, like, oh, I don't want to do math right now or something along those lines. So I, I crunched the numbers. Oh, I, mean, wow. I crunched the numbers here. You're putting them this. in a little fucking category. <laughs> I'm so excited for this. Um, <laughs> Let's go, Frank. So right now, McDavid is on pace for 109 goals and 109 assists, right? Which is not going to happen, obviously. So I had to dig a little bit deeper, right? And back in 1981-1982 season. Are you going to say number 99? Wayne Gretzky set the NHL record with 92 goals in 80 games for, ironically, the Edmonton Oilers. And McDavid is not going to get 109 goals. He's not going to break that record. However, the fact that he is on that pace in the first place spells big, big trouble for anyone who has to play the Oilers this season. Or anyone who took the under 120 points like you did. 113. <laughs> I'm sticking with it. 113 is looking great. What did I say? I have it written. I think you for 218 points. I, I would have loved to like watch you do that research. I just picture <laughs> you like you have like one of those old style like tax calculators. Like when people are doing tax and you're flipping yeah, was- through like a history book. <laughs> I had McDavid getting 49 goals, 81 assists for 130 points. And I think I had 120 total. No, you had 43 he... goals, 77 assists for 120 points for McDavid. Now, will he remain on this pace? Probably not. Yeah. But being on a pace like that is insane. That's the thing, though. When McDavid gets a hat trick and he leads the league with four goals, it's like, well, yeah, he had the one hat trick game, but that's going to continue. He's going to have another hat trick next week, probably. 
And that's the thing I'm looking for for McDavid, and that's why I predicted 49 goals. And Joey made a point. He laughed at me. If he gets to 49, he's going to do everything in his power to get to 50. You might be right. I'm not going to debate that. It's McDavid. He kind of reminds me of, like, Tom Brady without the accomplishments in terms of, like, he's obsessed with reaching a specific goal. He gets to it. That's very Tom Brady-like, and Connor McDavid has those same qualities at such a young age. I legitimately think he's the most skilled player that God ever created in the net in the world. I, I, I believe that if you put his skill at 24 years old against Gretzky skill or Crosby skill at 24 years old, McDavid blows him out of the water. I'm going to say, I'll say three names, maybe four names. Tell me if you think that they kind of all agree to be in the same sentence. Chris okay. Kunitz, James Neal, Pascal Dupuis, and Yesse Pugliarvi. Do you understand where I'm going with that? Yeah, those are all – the first three played – the first three were like Sidney Crosby's wingmen because Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby never played on the same line. They're both centers. A lot of people think, yeah, they benefited from having each other on the power play certainly, and they each had 40-plus power play points a season as a result. But you're right. For the most part, it was Dupuis, Kunitz, and who who was the other one? Gensel? James Neal played a little bit. Oh, James Neal. Neal played mostly with Malkin. I, I would either, I would go Gensel. Either way, uh, Malkin yeah. is a good example, too. I'm talking about players who aren't necessarily elite-level players, but when you pluck them with an elite player, big numbers. Not everyone can. I love it. I love, <laughs> I love that. I love that. I'm in love with that. Um, I need it in my life. Wow. So, okay, go ahead out. with your point. I agree with you. Watch out for Yesse Pugliarvi this year to have yeah, – I would not be surprised one bit if he puts up 80 points playing with this guy. What a strange draft. That draft went Matthews, Line A, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Pugliarvi. Pugliarvi was supposed to go third, and Columbus kind of like went off the board and took Pierre-Luc Dubois. And for a while, that looked brilliant. Everyone, he was better than Line. They were traded one for one for each other. And now Pugliarvi playing with McDavid looks like falling to four might be a joke. If that draft was redone, McAvoy, who went 14th or 15th, would go second, and then the other three would drop down. But I think it was 15th. Was definitely fifteenth because the Bruins were the first team out of the playoffs both years. Um, I I definitely think Pugliarvi's amazing. That's a really good point. And eighty points, know, um, eighty I'm, points for Pugliarvi. Yeah, he's already got six in three games. Yeah, I mean, hey, go him. Um, Drysaddle and McDavid playing together on the power play. Pugliarvi's right there. Good game yesterday mm-hmm. against the Anaheim Ducks. There's going to be a lot of shootout games like that. Not by a shootout, I, I mean not necessarily a shootout, but like goal, 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 like over 10. <laughs> do you guys think McDavid, Dreisaitl, Pugliarvi, Nugent Hopkins, do you think that's enough to win the cup? You would think, but. I've been less than disappointed with then. Uh, I don't even know how to word that. I, I butchered that. Yeah, I've, been, kind of dumb. I've been more than impressed, to say the least, with Mike Smith. Me too. So if Mike Smith can continue that, you know, Darnell Nurse kind of continued right where he left off last year. Yep, and they're going to get Tyson Berry back at some point, right? Yeah. He's not playing I mean, right now. I'm I'm looking at the start for the Oilers <clears throat> with way more stock and impressiveness than I am like the Buffalo Sabres start. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah. 
Are you? Do you think that the Oilers are one of those teams though that get in the playoffs and then they just fall apart? No, I actually kind of think it's the opposite. Like McDavid could have 130 points, like I predict. The team can have an okay record because the team's not that deep. But if they sneak in the playoffs and then McDavid just decides to go off in the postseason and win the Conn Smythe Trophy, that's kind of where I'm at with them. But last year in the playoffs, McDavid kind of got shut down. You would think that with all the skill that they have, they would make deep runs. But, I mean, you saw even the Hawks beat them in that play-in series a couple seasons ago. Yeah, that was a disaster for Edmonton. I just – it's hard to see, like, is Edmonton one of those teams like Toronto? Yeah, I kind of hope not for Toronto and Edmonton because I want to see Matthews, McDavid, Dryside, O'Marner. I want to see all those guys go deep into the playoffs. I want to watch them when the leaves turn green. But it hasn't happened yet so far. And let me tell you something. I know this from reliable people that I trust. Edmonton is mad about how that went down in the bubble. They offered to host the bubble because they thought they'd have a deep run. They thought it'd be an advantage to them. And so for the Hawks to bounce them in the playing game, when they didn't even deserve to make the playoffs in the first place, they would not have had it been for COVID-19. It was stunning to me that they blew that. Yeah, it was wild to watch. And I'd like to see uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl keep it up this year and not have the it's the North Division excuse because that division stunk last year. Yeah, I agree. And uh, uh, I'm glad he, we, we really didn't talk much about the St. Louis Blues, who also have actually looked you know pretty good. I mentioned them a little bit when we were talking about the standings in the Central. But um, Jordan Cairo put up a four-point night yesterday. We, it was against the Coyotes. I don't, I don't think the Coyotes are very good at all. I, but I am hoping that he's able to keep that up because you know he's actually been pretty fun to watch. I agree. He's looked really good. For sure. Joe, go off on the Bruins one game i've only seen one game everyone else is playing four games some teams have eight points six points the bruins are sitting there with two points but they're the, where the bruins? huh i said who are the bruins i didn't know they were there exactly like <laughs> I, I thought it was still the off season um i'm so happy that jeremy swayman or bruce cassidy went with jeremy swayman in game one he looked awesome i, I only have one game to talk about it so i'll just go in for it they played a very, very good game. My only complaint was some stupid penalties late in the game. Uh, Brad Marchand took a, an ugly, I guess it was a trip, maybe a little slew foot action. Uh, played a lot of four-on-four that game, but, you know, the team came together. From the new guys, I liked what I saw. Jake DeBrusque, I, talked, I told Vinny all offseason that Jake DeBrusque was going to have a big bounce back year. It's what the Bruins need. They need that depth. Uh, and it was him and Brad Marchand leading the way, which since the uh, I saw the stat since the penalty shot came into the league, Brad Marchand has five of them. And I believe he's like third all time in penalty shot goals. Maybe he has six. Uh, this dude just doesn't miss penalty shots when he gets them. And that was that ended up being the first goal of the season. The last time a first goal of the season for the Bruins, a little fun fact, was on a penalty shot was in 2013 against the Tampa Bay Lightning, scored by Chris Kelly, who is now an assistant coach for the Boston Bruins. So I was, I'm wondering if there was a little friendly banter because Chris Kelly and Brad Martian used to go back and forth all the time with the friendly banter and stuff. Wondering if there was any jokes about that on the bench after he scored that penalty shot. But it was just a great game. I'm so happy with Jeremy Swayman. Charlie McAvoy looked great. Uh, Jeremy Swayman tonight against the uh, Philadelphia Flyers for game two. 
Very good analysis on the Bruins. I like hearing you go off about them. We heard Frankie go off about the Hawks, so I will make a couple notes about the New Jersey Devils. They're 2-0-0. I don't really know what to make of them yet so far, guys. Um, they haven't been very good since losing the Stanley Cup Final in 2012, but they've made great additions. He, Shear, and Hughes both look awesome. Hughes took a spill from that idiot Jeremy Lozon yesterday. Can't stand that guy. Joe. Just kidding. I mean, Jack put himself in a harmful position. Hopefully he's okay. It looked like it was something to do with his shoulder. He did get up on his own power, so we'll get an update on him later today, according to head coach Lindy Ruff. Dawson Mercer scored his first point on an Andreas Johnson goal against the Chicago Blackhawks last Friday, and then yesterday on a nice play from Tomas Tatar and Ryan Graves scored his first goal of the season, Mercer I'm talking about, and the Devils beat the Kraken 4-2. And they've looked pretty good so far. Heashier, when you watch this guy play, there's not always like a crap ton of points, but he just does everything well. You watch the highlights from the game and he's all over the place making plays. Guys are shooting it, getting good position. And it's all because of Heashier. And I believe him and Jack are going to lead this team for a long time. I don't know about the postseason this year. Blackwood hasn't played yet. And you mentioned the Bruins not playing very many games. The Devils have only played two. And... You know, they've had some injuries so far. Miles Wood, Damon Severson, Ty Smith, Mackenzie Blackwood. They're not, they played the Kraken yesterday. There was the Kraken's fifth game. And I couldn't believe that the Devils don't play their fifth game till one week from yesterday. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Devils do going forward. Um, I'd really like to see Jack Hughes be okay, though. And then we'll be able to evaluate how things go from there. I mentioned the Kraken really quickly. Initial thoughts on that team because I think they stink. Yeah, you want to go first, Jeff? No, you go. Well, I said last week on the show that I'm not very high on the Kraken. So everything I've seen so far, they're one, three, and one, has been everything I thought that would be. I mean, they haven't been impressive, but that's kind of what I expected. But I know I was in the minority with that. Yeah, I think the weak Pacific Division had a little bit to do with it because it's like, okay, Edmonton, Vegas, those are the top two. Then the Kraken, the Kings, and the Ducks, I guess. Vancouver might have an outside chance. I don't like Vancouver too much. Uh, I think the Sharks kind of blow. Joe, Kraken. Um, They lead the league in this. We've been, we've been a, the league's been on now for a week, a week and a day. And they have the most games played out of any team, and all of them are on the road. Yeah. I'm I'm not out on them one bit. It is hard to start a season like that on a five game road trip. Maybe even more. Are they, they have more games on this trip? No, they come home and play. They come home and play home Vancouver on the Vancouver Canucks for their home opener on Saturday. So plenty of time off, but plenty of time off. I let them play at home. The the fact that the league made us wait this long to get a home game. Uh, and then not only that, but they have to play five games in seven days. That's that's a lot of hockey for a brand new team all on the road. Uh, they're getting kind of screwed by the schedule early on. I'm not out on them. I think they're actually good. I've seen some some good stretches of play from this team, and I think it only will get better. So I'm not out on them. You know what my favorite part about expansion teams is? I learned this with Vegas and the Kraken. People do act like when they come into the league that their fans – and players know nothing about hockey. It's always funny to me. 
they act like they're playing this new game for the first time ever. It's like, yeah, all these guys came from other NHL franchises that have been playing for a hundred years. And the Kraken fan base is probably made up of now former Canuck fans would be my number one guess or Kings or I'm not Kings sharks or Canucks would probably be my best guess. They're the two teams geographically closest to the city of Seattle. Seattle is a great, great sports town. So stop acting like expansion teams are clueless on hockey. They're not. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. And just to point out, um, the Vegas Golden Knights, when they first became a team, started their inaugural season eight and two in their first ten games. Mm-hmm. If anyone like thought that was going to happen again, like I'm not sitting here saying that that was going to happen again. No, but to overreact to the way that they've started, given the schedule that they were dealt, I think you need you need to watch watch a little bit more into the season before you can necessarily be out on this team because I've I've actually not hated what I've seen so far. Frank, pick a team that you're surprised with or want to mention that hasn't been mentioned yet. Well, it kind of been mentioned a little bit earlier, but That's not okay. really, We've talked not, about a lot of teams. Yeah. Not really not really enough to like not in depth. On them. But um how about the Wild starting 3-0 and 0? Uh Cam Talbot has looked amazing. My fantasy goalie, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um I'm very surprised. Like I thought the Wild would be good, but they've looked great. And um I just, the Wild are a force to be reckoned with in the Central. Joe? The Wild are very good. I, I actually couldn't agree more with that. I'm going to talk about two teams kind of in a negative way. Um, actually, one, I'll talk about one team. One team negative, one team positive. Um, the Detroit Red Wings, yeah, we talk about the small sample size. They've actually looked pretty good. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi had a four-goal game. Very unheard of. We'll see if he's a... a prominent goal scorer doubt it um i guess you could say tyler bertuzzi has a good shot (laughs) um the montreal canadians are trash (laughs) i just want to go ahead and talk about that you're coming off of uh your stanley cup loss and they come out the gate oh and four they've looked like dog meat no one can do anything uh i believe they're getting into a hole in that atlantic division that they will not be able to even come close to climbing up well you're very bad at following directions i told you to pick one team you gave me two and one of the two stole mine (laughs) i was going to bring up the detroit red wings and how great they are and how they're just going to turn that corner and maybe it's now but since you decided to steal mine and bring them up i'll go one one completely off the board another team that i was kind of high on over the summer one i said that they might not make the playoffs but they're going to take major strides this season and that's the ottawa senators two one and oh without Brady Kachuk, who did sign right before the season started, but he has not made his debut yet. He is going to tomorrow, and I'm very excited about it. And my friends in Ottawa, I hope everybody does well there, and I'm happy to see them succeed. Maybe they'll make some noise in the Atlantic Division this season. I wanted to give two teams. I gave one that I was impressed with, one that I was thought was dog water, and the Montreal Canadiens, on the record, are dog water. Because you're Joey, and you do what you want. Exactly. That's what I like to hear. Frank, you agree with that? Uh, about the Canadians? No, about Joey doing whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's, yeah. He's like, about the Canadians? He's happy. He's like, hey, are you still talking about hockey? I thought this was a hockey show. Not the Joey he show. He does what he wants to do. What can Life I is the Joey show, I'll tell you. The JP hey, show. Speaking of the JP show, 
You want to carry the JP show into period number three? Welcome to the JP show presented by period number three of Bar Down Blackhawk Talk, where we will discuss the upcoming National Hockey League's schedule. Can't do that without talking about a very unfortunate situation in the National Hockey League so far. Nikita Kucherov of the Tampa Bay Lightning is on long-term injured reserve again. Joseph, what does this mean? This means that there's someone very sad in our fantasy league who drafted him with their first round. I don't know who it is. Um, does anyone off the top, top of the head yeah. know who it is? I could look it up. Keep talking. I would have taken him. He was my argument against Barkov for you. Uh, he was my argument that I was so high on the Lightning this year. They're going to be, you know, out of the gate on a very underrated team because they're going to have they're going to be better in the regular season than they were last year because now they get a full season with Nikita Kucherov. You're smiling, son. I have a guess on who it is. Go ahead. Is it Jeremy? Yeah. Okay. So sucks for him. Uh, sucks for him. It's kind of funny, but <laughs> oh my god, it sucks for the Tampa Bay Lightning and Nikita Kucherov. This is going to be two regular seasons in the prime of this guy's career a future hall of fame hall of fame player i'll just go ahead and say it that we're getting screwed out of watching him play and, and entertain us for a very long time so i i'm hoping he's able to come back in the regular season there's really no you know time frame right it's just long-term injured reserve long-term and- injured reserve means he will be out until at least november 13th the lightning have not have said that it is entirely possible he will not be ready by then, but Lightning coach John Cooper, although not providing a full timetable, did say that he expects Kucherov to return at some point during the regular season. Yeah, so there's a lot of question marks because then obviously in February you have the Olympic break. Is he going to go represent the Olympic athletes from Russia over in Beijing? Who knows? Is he going to use that time to just you know rehab and be ready for the Tampa Bay Lightning's playoff run? There's a lot of question marks. I do think Tampa Lightning are still going to be good. They have so much talent on that team. It opens up the the nine mil or whatever the fuck he's making, $10 million for them to sign a guy like Eichel or maybe they'll trade for a big guy like Phil Kessel, a big contract that can just help the depth of that lineup even more. And I'm sure they'll find a way to manipulate the cap in some way. Who knows what Vinny's doing right now? But, yeah, sucks to see that. Uh doesn't necessarily does it hurt the lightning yes obviously losing a player like that is going to hurt the lightning does it help the other teams in the atlantic yes you can argue it does but you never want to see a player like that go down very sad i was having a funeral for nikita kucherov by turning out the lights oh is that what you were doing yeah (laughs) (laughs) clown frank Uh, go on on nikita kucherov i won't let the lights go out on you the uh, well, the Lightning have been in this predicament before. Just look at last season and their talent, their depth brought them all the way to the playoffs. You get Kucherov back, and look what happened back to back Stanley Cup champ. So, it, while it is a big loss, um, I still think they'll have the talent to do good things, probably win their division, and once again, vie for that Stanley Cup. But, um, it's sad to see him go down. He's a great player, and uh, it sucks that. Jeremy drafted him. <laughs> no, I genuinely feel bad for anyone who drafted him. Yeah. Obviously, like, it sucks. I mean, you chuckle a little bit when it's not you because you're competing and you want to win. But, I mean, 
yeah, for Jeremy to draft him in the first round and lose him, that sucks. We hope he gets back soon for that reason, especially. Um, Real quick about that situation. Someone who might – you you can argue both ways, but I feel like benefits – you look at last year for Steven Stamkos playing without Nikita Kucherov until Stamkos got hurt in his own right. Um, he kind of put took the load back to how it used to be, Steven Stamkos being one of the elite scorers, point getters in the league. And he's currently sitting at seven points right behind McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Andre Kopitar. Uh, we'll see if Steven Stamkos has like another really, really good year without Nikita Kucherov kind of having to take over some of that load that we'll be missing from him. Yeah, I agree on Stamkos. He's always been an elite player. He kind of gets overshadowed now. Mm-hmm. There was a point where he was a top five player in the league. Um, I think the Lightning are screwed for a little while. Screwed I, I would be very nervous. They, Like I said on last week's show, when I thought Kucherov was playing, Yanni Gord, Kraken, Barclay Goudreau, Rangers, uh, Blake Coleman, Flames, Tyler Johnson, Blackhawks. The depth is not what it once was. Now, you cracked a joke earlier about them making a trade for Phil Kessel and Jack Eichel. Maybe. I think it's a little different. I think those are just, yeah, maybe a guy like Phil, but those are definitely like a lot of jokes. A lot of jokes came out with this whole long-term thing because of the whole cap situation in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Um, I, I think Kucherov is definitely going to come back, though, before the playoffs to where it's not they're not going to be able to manipulate it as much as they were able to last year unless someone else gets hurt. Absolutely, I agree. But my point is they don't have the depth that they did last year, and I do think not having Kucherov will hurt them more in the regular season this year than it did last year. Yeah. Um. Frank, the Blackhawks play the Vancouver Canucks and then the Detroit Red Wings before our next show. I know Joey brought up the Leafs, but we'll have a show before the Leafs game next week. Um, what do you like? What do you not like about that? those two games? Um, well, I'm glad that they're on a little bit of a homestand here. They got to at least take three or four points between Vancouver and Detroit. I'd love to see four, four of four, and I totally believe that they could. Um Vancouver, they're eh, I'm not high on Vancouver. Detroit, they've been playing well. They've impressed me a little bit, so that one might be a little tougher. And the rivalries there, and to me, in any rivalry game, it could go either way, whether you suck, whether you're good. Rivalries, rivalry. Like Tampa and Florida rivalry, whatever. Um, they need to get four points here. Like we said earlier in the show, you can't dig yourself a hole. And these are two teams that the Hawks have the skill and the capability to pick up two big wins and get back on track. Joseph? I agree. This is a big opportunity, especially against the Vancouver Canucks, to get right back on track. That game's tomorrow, right? Thursday night. And then that Sunday game versus Detroit, it is at the United Center. Um, That's another one where, you know, if if the Red Wings are able to continue their their little hot streak they got going into Sunday, then it's going to be a challenge. But I also think that the Red Wings will cool off a little bit. I don't think they're ready to necessarily have that breakout season with, with a lot of the young guys that they have. And this could be a, a time for the Hawks to take advantage of, of two teams that should finish lower than them in the standings. I agree. Big game on Sunday with Detroit. And let me, let me tell you something, Hawks make me big. I want to be big. <laughs> You're never big in any situation. The bears freaking stink. 
Okay. Tom Brady is going to dismantle them. I've never seen the Bears be 13 point underdogs. Are you kidding me? That is absolutely disgusting. This team is a disgusting disgrace. I hate everything about them, and the Hawks are in danger of turning into them. If you don't beat Detroit on Sunday, I'm going to be pissed off. You're not even my number one favorite team, but I like you. I like you, Blackhawks. I want people in Chicago to like hockey. And you're in danger, you and that idiot Matt Nagy. You guys are in danger of letting the Bulls take over this town again. That team's awesome. They're fun. Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine. That team's going to be sick. They deserve to be talked about more. Make sure you tune into all the shows on the Barroom Network that talk about the Bulls. But Blackhawks, if you make me have a miserable Sunday, so help me, ooh, I'm going to be mad. Do not do it because Tom Brady is going to dismantle the Bears. You're the saving grace, Blackhawks. There you have it. There you have it. Lot, Frank, you're going to have to get used to that. It probably caught you off guard. You're probably like, holy fuck, what, what's Vinny doing? The love of salmon sandwiches. He, uh, When he gets going, he, he's gone. It just got hot in here all this Yeah, week. right? Like, I started sweating. <laughs> all I hate that motherfucker with every fiber of my being. I started sweating. It's I could use Vinny could use a salmon sandwich right now. He's not him when he's hungry. Maybe he's hangry. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I am a little hungry, boys. Um, Joe, do you have any stories that you want to keep an eye on for this upcoming week leading up to our next show? I think the the one story, I guess, I don't, it's not really even a story. It's just in my own right. Um, the thing I'm looking forward to, I'll, I'll give a story. But what I'm looking forward to this weekend is the Seattle Kraken's home opener. I think it's bullshit that they had started five games on the road. I think that should be a story people should be talking about. People should be tuned into that because every team has something special they do at home, and there's still a week into the season one team that we have no idea what that's going to be like. So I'm very looking forward to seeing what the Seattle Kraken, what kind of show they they put on before the game, the, the way those crisp blue jerseys look on the ice. Uh, I'm very excited for that. I'll um, think of a story. You go, Frank. Um, well, something we really didn't talk about, and the only reason I'm going to bring this up is because we saw the Islanders yesterday, is the Islanders open up the season on a 13-game road trip as they prepare to play in their new arena. Um, what, let's take a look at, like, the Islanders. We don't know how they're going to be, right? Going on a 13-game road trip, that could – you know, you don't know how that's going to turn out. That's always tough. So I guess you could call it – it's not really a story, but you just got to keep an eye on them. They might stink, but I don't think they're going to be bad, okay? Um, playing 13 games on the road is like – that's just digging yourself in a hole. That's hard for any mm-hmm. team. Um, so just keep an eye on that, right? Let's not take too much stock into how they perform in these first 13 games. Give it through halfway through the season – I think the Islanders are going to have a pretty decent year. I could see them getting into the playoffs. Um, so let's just keep an eye on that. I just want everybody who's a hockey fan and just a fan of everything hockey to keep an eye on that. That That's actually a great point. I did not know that their home opener is until November 20th. I actually did not know that. I didn't realize it either. I think the Islanders are the second best team in the East. Mm-hmm. But and, they might have able- start. Yeah, okay. and I, I just want people to take that in mind that yep. they're opening up on a 13 game um, road trip, so everything may not be what it seems. It's kind of like with the Hawks. Be what it seems. It's kind of like when the Hawks used to have to go on the circus tour. 
Yeah. Remember when they had to leave the United Center for like yeah. eight straight games for the circus? That doesn't exist anymore. Thank God. Yeah, but so while it's not like a story, but like keep an eye on no, it. No, yeah. That's kind of what I, I meant by this segment. Yeah. A 13 game road trip. That could be good, but it could also be bad. It could be bad if they, you know, dig themselves a hole to climb out of, especially, you know, there's a lot of good teams. If the Devils continue, the, the Penguins continue, the Rangers, if those teams are good, like you don't want to fall in the standings. It could also be really good because if they're able to come out of this 13 game road trip and then make their home opener debut November 20th in first place in the Metropolitan Division, that just means that they're going to have a big stretch of games later on at home. Yep. And so, I mean, this could be good. This could be bad. It's definitely something to keep an eye on. Another thing to keep an eye on real quick, a, a story that's going to be talked about all season long. It was a huge headline on the opening day on TNT. The, the debut broadcast of NHL on TNT last Wednesday is the goal chase for Alex Ovechkin. Is that what he's going to say? This dude, One thing, bro. That, that I, mine wasn't a story. I was looking forward to the Seattle game. <laughs> Um, it's not my fault. You, you, we have the same brainwave brainwave. I cannot believe you just said that. Okay. You could finish it. Alex. No, go ahead. It's your story. It's your hit. I'll come up with something else. It's the JP show. So Alex Ovechkin has four goals in the, in the first like four games of the season. He's, he's on pace. He's, he passed up. Uh, was it Marcel Dion and the, on Wednesday? I don't know. The whole vibe is killed for Vin. You just continue. Goodbye. You said the Seattle crack, and then you go, oh, that's not a story, as if the first ever game in Seattle is not a story. Like, what? He, he's, he needs a salmon sandwich. He's For the love of salmon sandwiches. I was stunned when you started to say it. I was like, he's really going to steal my thunder here. Again. You have a big brain. I don't know what to say. Yeah, Alexander Ovechkin. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to – every single time he scores a goal, it seems like it's a big deal now. And guess who they play tomorrow? Your uh, New Jersey Devils. Tomorrow? Which he, he always scores. He always scores against the Devils. It never fails. So good points by all. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, I'm excited about Seattle's home opener. Definitely will be tuned in for that. Ovechkin. Um, I, I think Frankie makes a good point about the Islanders. I have them as the second best team in the East. Didn't know. I don't know how that slipped under me and you, Joe. How many? We're 30 shows in. We never talked about the Islanders having... Because uh, I'm not going to pretend like it slipped uh, slipped my brain. I had no idea. I never even heard that. <laughs> no, I know. Me either. That's yeah. what I'm, it, it slipped past us somehow. Yeah. Um, that was that was really good stuff. Um, definitely some good stories. There was one other thing I wanted to mention, and now I can't remember what it was. Um, so I think we're just going to have to send it to overtime, where we are going to discuss a little some some. Welcome to Overtime. The head. The return of the head. The head is back. Mr. Steal Yo Girl, because he's wearing that hat, or Mr. Steal Yo Story, is going to lead what we like to call the gambling cave. Is that what we're calling it? I feel like we got to talk about this. I don't know if I like that name, Frank. Do you like you it? Talk about it? You want to air your grievance to the public? Go ahead. Uh, are we talking about the gambling cave? Is yeah. It, is, that, is that what, Frank, do you like that? Eh, it's all right. <laughs> Spider-Man <laughs> thinks that name stinks. Where's, I need Javi. Does it, Frank it, know about Javi? Does Frank Where, know yeah, about where's Javi? Javi? Who's Javi? Javier Baez. Oh, yeah. Well, I know. Yeah. All right. Gambling cave. 
it's a slow night. Two games on tonight. NHL. We'll come up with a better name other than the Gambling Cave. You already know one. Already know one on the road. Jeremy Swayman's back in net. Game two in Philadelphia. Minus 140 line money line. Plus 175 minus one and a half. Frankie knows it. I know it. They did it against Dallas. The empty net goal by Brad Marchand. Look for that again. The Flyers are dog meat. The Bruins are just getting started, kicking off a nice little road trip here. I like the Bruins minus one and a half. The game below, the St. Louis Blues have impressed me. Money line plus 100. Money line plus 100 going into Vegas, stealing a win. I got both road teams tonight. Go ahead and parlay the money lines. Do whatever you want. Both road teams tonight. Any non-hockey-related ones before you pass it to Frankie? I'll let Frankie take care of all the dirty work. (laughs) I knew you were going to go with the Bruins. Oh, so I wanted to touch oh, on no, no, You don't know me. Don't oh, assume I know you, you know me. <laughs> so I wanted to go with something different in the Bruins game because I had a feeling that's what you are going to do. Oh, yeah. I'm a big trend guy. So these next okay. two picks I have for you are uh, on trends just alone and on instinct as well. Over for the first – over one and a half for the first period in the Bruins-Flyers game has gone over in the past four regulation games that they've played against each other, taking into account that – Halak or Rask were probably playing those games, right? And I, who's starting for the Bruins tonight? Jeremy Swayman. Okay, so Swayman's in that. Which, nothing against Swayman, but anyway, if you're including preseason from this year, five of the last six have gone over for the first period at minus 120. Also, turning the table to the Vegas game tonight, I got to disagree with you, Joe. I got the Vegas money line looks great, minus 121. The Blues have only beaten the Vegas Golden Knights twice in nine attempts at T-Mobile Arena, so you can't pass up on that. So those are the those are the hockey picks I got for you guys. If and you want, I could, I could go in depth if you want on something else. Or... If you want have a football pick, you want to. You don't have to share all your picks, but if you want no, to no, no, no. throw one out for the people, go for it. Uh, NBA, first of all, Bulls play tonight against the stinky Detroit Pistons. Uh, that should be a slam dunk. And just to keep it, I get it. <laughs> just to keep it simple, um, all Knicks games under. That's all I'll say. Every Knicks game under. Okay, I have the Knicks losing because your boy. I'm not the gambling guy out of the three of us, even though I do gamble. I am a degenerate. You two are a little more knowledgeable about me in that aspect. I have the all Boston parlay going tonight. We have the Boston Bruins, the Boston Celtics, and the Boston Red Sox. All parlayed together. I believe it was like plus 590 or something like that. I got it a little lower than what the Barstool book was doing, and I use DraftKings. But, you know, that game starts first pitches in about 20, 30 minutes. So Christopher Allen sale on the mound, hoping for a big Sox victory at his 2-2 tied series. Um, Frank, what would you think of your first show, man? It was good. Ran smooth, went by very quick. I don't know about you guys, but this just flew by. Yeah, oh, yeah. no, it did. That, that's that's going to happen. I mean, that's, oh, okay. that's what happens when we're having a good time. Um, we're happy to have you on the show. Are you going to give the people an NHL 22 stream one of these days? Yeah, whenever. Um, it Be on the lookout. It's coming in the near future. I can't wait to showcase uh, the game. We should uh, – we're going to do something. We're, we'll test it out. We're going to get – during we should go live one time during the show just a shootout it takes like five minutes i think that'd be real fun hook up the uh we get, there's a way to hook it up on here and i think that'd be real cool for the viewers to just watch me dust you in a shootout 
Yeah. Absolutely. For those who don't know, Frankie's very good at NHL. He would beat Joey 15 to 1 if they played right now. I don't know what Joey's talking about, but when he wears that hat, he gets all sorts of false confidence. I don't know what to tell you. In the past one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games I've played against Frankie in NHL, we kept the tab, a record. NHL 21, that is. Just head to head. We didn't do it often. Um, we played nine games against each other. The very first game, my first game, his first game ever on NHL 21, I won. I defeated him 6-5. to five. I was the Avalanche, and he was the Vegas Golden Knights. The next eight, he dummied me. <laughs> I was a plethora of different teams. He was a plethora of different teams. It goes win, loss, 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 loss. You absolutely stink. Frankie's just really good. I would destroy you. And that you win, get, that was a heartbreak. You would get dominated by me. Yeah, Frank, I should have just quit. I should have just never played NHL 21 with you again after winning. Then I was game. like up two goals with like three minutes left yeah. in the game and I choked. Dude, it was a heartbreaker. Game that four, heartbreaker. Game four. you were the Montreal Canadiens. I was the Boston Bruins. I think I got up to like a four to one lead on that game and you ended up winning six to five. I was devastated. <laughs> What's your worst margin of loss? Um, he beat me seven to one. Wow. You're That's bad. Not bad. That's not bad. That's fucking horrible. He would drop 10 on you. He never dropped double digits. on. Nope. Me. He never drops double digits on me. We always talk about it. He always, I always get to nine, nine and yep. then that's it. Yeah. But I, I probably score more than Joey. EA shuts down the servers at nine goals. Yep. EA cheese. We all know about it. Well, Frank, promote your stream, promote yourself. Um, you can follow me at the King bean. On Twitch, it's at the King Bean Seventeen. I go live. Um, still, still trying to make the stream, my Twitch stream, the best I could uh, make it. So, haven't been streaming as much lately. But when I do, trust me, it'll be worth the wait. Um, I'm just happy to be a part of this now. It was a lot of fun, and you could also check out my writing on App Trigger. Write a lot about video games. Had an interesting article come out. Um, was it today or yesterday that FIFA? might be changing their name because legal rights. So it might not be called like FIFA 23 next year. It might be called something else, which is crazy in my mind to think like, imagine if there was an NHL video game one year, not having NHL in it. Wow. Joe, who's your favorite soccer team in any league? I have two. Um, I don't know any teams. That I'll, I guess I just have to go with the one team I know because for some reason – I was on a TV one time and I just watched a little bit. And when I was watching, they scored a goal and goals don't happen that often in soccer and football. Uh, this is obviously besides world cup. I've watched some world cup play, but this team isn't even in the premier league. It's in the MLS and it's the San Jose earthquake. If I were to become a MLS guy, I don't even know if they have a Boston team. So I'd probably have to look into that. Huh? I don't think, I don't so. think they, they do. They don't have a New England team. Yeah. There's no like. There's the New York Red Bulls. But... Well, the New York Red Bulls are New Jersey's team. The New yeah. York United. No, you guys are, are wrong. The there's like, is, aren't they the New England like Revolution? Maybe. I don't but know. New York United or New York FC is the New York team. The New York Red Bulls are New Jersey's team. That's my favorite team, the New York Red Bulls. Steve Cangelosi, the announcer of the New Jersey Devils, is also the announcer for the New York Red Bulls. And then, of course, in the Premier League, I love Real Madrid. I'll always like uh, them and cheer them on when I ever watch soccer, which is almost never. So, 
Frank, you you got you got some favorite soccer love? Oh, Team Italy, of course. Team Italy and USA in the World Cup. I don't really follow soccer that much, so there's nothing. Maybe. And that was talking soccer on Bar Down Blackhawk. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big soccer guy. The um the New England Revolution were defunct in 1972. <laughs> are in the MLS. So it, I've never. I mean, okay. The only way I know that is because like. They're one of the ones that gets retweeted when they wish like the Bruins good luck like at the start. Of the ah, okay. <laughs> That's Everything the only way I know about them. Damn but, Bruins, I swear. Yeah, so obviously they'll they'll just jump. They get promoted right away to number one by association. I think David Pasternak goes to a few games, um, but for some reason the San Jose Earthquakes like they just stick out to me. They probably. Cool, man. I'm pretty sure the Atlanta United play at the Mercedes Benz Dome where the Falcons play. So it's one of the times that the Chick-fil-A in there is open because it's not on Sunday. Uh, Joe, promote yourself. I'm not doing it for you anymore. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Joey Parisi, at Joey Parisi, where you can watch when Brad Marchand scores a goal. Me tweet about it in all caps. Uh, when the Bruins win, when uh, the Dodgers tie the series up tonight, I'll be tweeting about when the Red Sox go up 3-2. to two. Headed back to Houston, I'll be uh, I'll be tweeting in all caps. So yeah, go ahead and follow me, and uh, tune in tomorrow. Crosstown Crosstalk. That's another show that we do with that guy Vinny Parisi. Uh, Two p.m. every Thursday, where we talk about baseball. We'll talk about what happened tonight in the ALCS and NLCS. So make sure you tune into that. And clearly, that clue going to me wasn't Joey's clue to stop talking. Finally. Because he did such a good job of making his Twitter account sound appealing. Everyone wants to follow someone who just writes an all cat. I'm just kidding. Make sure you follow at Joey Parisi. That's very important. That's what I do. That's what and I then, do. of course, you could go to fansided.com and read all the stuff that I write about the Bulls, Blackhawks, Cubs, White Sox, Bears, uh, Tom Brady, hopefully. Um, and, of course, the New Jersey Devils. And make sure you tune in tomorrow at 2 p.m. for Crosstown Crosstalk. On Monday night, we will be having the last ever episode of this season of uh, South Burbs Hitman, where we will go over what went down in the 2021 Chicago White Sox season. There will be shows sporadically throughout the winter. Uh, if there's breaking news, you know, the White Sox signed this guy or they trade that guy, you know, I'm sure we'll have a show on that. But it's the it's the recap show. Crosstown Crosstalk, for those who are wondering, is going to continue into the offseason where me and Joey are going to break down things in the MLB season that go on throughout the year. And we'll also discuss like cheesecake and gas station snacks. So I know everybody's excited about that. And you got some. Yeah, you want, you, you, got, to... you stopped me just in time. I was ready to kill. I know, because I, you want to see. I want to make you guys laugh. You know, whoever's sticking around toward the end of the show, you guys get the treat of of seeing me be a clown. This entire show, I have just been waiting to go to town on my lunch. It's been sitting here. It's probably <laughs> I'm going to enjoy this sandwich so much right now. What a great show, boys! Is that a salmon sandwich? Don't get me started. <laughs> Comedy. That, that's the, honestly the craziest thing I've ever seen happen on live programming. And the Barroom Network is where you go to watch long-haired kids in hockey gear, dummy sandwiches. Yeah. So for at the King Bean on Twitter and at Joey Parisi on Twitter, I'm at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. Make sure you read all the blogs from both Frank and I. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you.